radio? Yes, talk radio. So boring, man. Okay. Back at the line, Savard fires it back in. Bozak going after it, and the puck clear up and ahead. Here comes Zelander, shoots, go! Oh, what a shot that was! Bullseye! William Nylander! He gets hit right in front of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Ben at the floor line here. Last night I thought I heard you talking like a voice in my head. It's coming back, I still remember everything that you said. Told me I wasn't worth a dime like I had nothing to lose. Well, I got a dollar in my pocket, baby. Friday, May 28th, 2021. It's the Least Up Hockey Podcast, and uh, I'm uh, I'm still James Cole, and um, yeah. Um, kind of lost steam there at the thought end. Thought I had day. something. Yeah, I'm uh, Bruce Vitaglia. Yeah. Happens to the best of us. You know, as we're going to get to a lot of these, uh, a lot of the teams in the playoffs Ooh, uh, have lost also steam? lost some steam. <laughs> so... Right. I guess it's the theme. The end of May, you know, the sun's getting hot. <sighs> you're outside, you get you're a little sluggish, you know? Yeah, and it's with some of those teams, it's like, wow, who could have ever foreseen this coming? But, mm. you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, we're going to get to all that later on. Uh, we're going to go through all the series like we did last week and kind of right. t- touch on uh, how everyone's doing, you know? Just take, mm-hmm. take a look at who's left standing. A couple teams have been. Uh, uh, sadly, have have left us uh, since we last. Well, spoke. Some sadder than some, others. Some sadder than others. Again, sure. some we could have seen coming, yeah, but um, some were paying attention. Some were predicted uh, on this very podcast a few short weeks ago. So mm. um, I I don't know how many I got right. I guess we'll <laughs> I guess we'll see. You know what? Like all year long, I was making a really good point of like writing down all my stuff, <laughs> like for for the year, like all my my preseason, midseason, all that shit. I completely forgot to pick uh, write down who I picked. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah, I got mine in front of me. Mm. Um, yeah, see, the funny part about our predictions, too, was we didn't know what the matchups would be at one point. Right. So I guess I'll delete those, and then I'll have them in front of me. Okay, anyway. Um, one thing I thought we would uh, get to right off the hop, though. Sure. Is, um, Something good? Happy? Well, it's interesting. Oh, no. <laughs> um... Wayne Gretzky is once again oh, leaving the Edmonton Oilers. And I, I don't know if this is so much that he's going to a new role right. or if he's trying to get away from the role he's in because of how much of a tire fire the organization yeah. is. See, and that's a, that's the a, funny a, thing, right, is when he left the first time, things took a turn for the worse. And it's like, well, could they get much worse than they are right now this time, you know? I mean, the last time he left, they won a cup three years later. Yeah, so, that is true. That's always you know, weird to think about, too, though. Isn't that weird? Right. That's one of the weirdest things that's happened, like, in the period of history of hockey where I have, like, a good knowledge of that I forget it happened. Because that, that's weird to me that that even happened, you know? It's one of my favorite, like sneaky trivia questions with you know what player who's who's the only player to captain two different Stanley Cup winning teams and a lot of people forget that Mark Messier Messier. was the captain of that sixth uh, that fifth uh, Oilers team oh you mean Mark Messier Messier right right Tide Coldwater (laughs) Uh, you can save two dollars annually by switching to Tide you want a job at a call center my man absolutely not Mm. hangs up 
Um, Wayne Gretzky off to join the uh, the new NHL co-TV rights holders, uh, TNT. Mm-hmm. I mean, part of their their panel, their you know between period uh, talking committee, uh, along with uh, all the old NBC guys who uh, miraculously got their job saved. God damn it! Um, so imagine how bland and boring NBC was. Insert the blandest, most boring hockey superstar of all time. And um, tune in next year for uh, all that exciting content that TNT is going to be bringing to you. Um, is there a way that this works? Because I, I, I've been seeing a lot of people shitting on Gretzky mm. going into this role. Well, here, here's the thing. is I think Gretzky has to be the least interesting guy on your panel for it to work. Like, he, he has to be. Because I, I don't know if people know this yet. Uh, Wayne Gretzky is painfully boring. Uh, as a dude, to be honest with you. But he's got a lot of good stories. Mm-hmm. His insight is always going to matter to American fans. Anyway, I don't yep. really know how much it should matter for Canadian fans. But, like, for your casual hockey fan, his input is going to speak loudly if you weren't ordinarily watching him, right? Like, this this is already... Like, put it this way. I would rather make, I'd rather listen to Wayne Gretzky make uh, half-assed points than uh, Dominic Moore. You know? For sure. Like... <laughs> Like, it's Wayne Gretzky. Like, I get that. And there's a lure to that. But, um, you know, from just a personality standpoint, like, he, he can carry himself on TV. I think that part will work. But he's not exciting. He's just, he's basically like another Sportsnet guy where it's just like, okay, like, this is fine. This is okay. Like, I just, I don't really see Gretzky being all that interesting. But, um, so if you surround him with guys who have also had really good careers that maybe have a little bit more personality... Uh, you know, like a Roberto Luongo, even though he's busy, like just something like that, then I think it'll it'll work well. Ideally, like if you want to kind of model the NBA on TNT panel, it's going to be guys that he played against that are also interesting, and that kind of makes that conversation a little more. You know, like I'd rather Mar- I'd rather Mario. Not saying he was in, you know, even interested in a job like that, but I'd rather listen to him than Gretz. I think. Yeah, I I'm, think having Gretzky like, on TV is good. Like, I really like that part. I think that'll be good. But I'm just not... I've never been crazy about the dude, so it's hard for me to really be unbiased there. It, it's it's weird. Like, I, I tried to approach it from... As someone that kind of only recently started watching the NBA. And like like you alluded to, the, the panel that they have in, uh, for TNT. Like, I know who Shaquille O'Neal was. Like, I knew that name before. Kind of knew who Charles Barkley was. Like I wasn't super familiar. You mostly knew him from uh, uh, CeeLo Green's um, alter ego, Gnarls Barkley, right? And that's how you figured out right. who Charles yeah. Barkley. Between was. that and uh, Space Jam, I was able to <laughs> put the pieces together. But like, I don't really know what the equivalent of those two guys is in hockey because it's it's not Michael Jordan sitting down and talking, right? Which you might call the Wayne Gretzky of basketball, but it's still a very good player in Shaquille O'Neal. And a very entertaining guy in Charles Barkley. Mm-hmm. So, when you look at the NHL, like, they tried the entertaining guy in Jeremy Roenick. Didn't really work out. Maybe it was just the wrong dude. Um, Probably. But then for that Shaquille O'Neal level of, you know him outside of the sport itself, like, how many guys does hockey have like that? Like, it's a small list. A couple of them are still playing. <laughs> like, I See, the, pro- the problem is, is that... You know, like, you see the number that Gretzky gets is, is $3 million for the length of his deal, which... Or is it $3 million a year? I thought it was 3 a year, but... Okay, so that, that's a decent chunk of change, right? Yeah. 
here, here's my proposal. You want a shack type guy who maybe needs some money. Okay? I got two words for you, my man. All right. Yaromir Yager. Does he need money? There, well, well, I don't, I don't know if it's true, but there's the old rumor that Yarmir Yager only played until he, like, is only playing because he has gambling debts, uh. which I don't. It's probably not true, but that's just the whole rumor that went around, kind of. But regard, like, would he do it? I, I could see him doing it, and I could see him being pretty good at it. To be honest with you, he'd be the character for sure. Yeah, right. And that's why, like that, that was one of the names that jumped out at me. Like, you want a guy that played against Gretzky. I think Yager fits that bill. And then who's your Kenny, the Jet Smith, and and the guy that kind of alters in and out? You can... There are plenty of guys. Hockey has plenty of guys. Yeah. And, like, as much love as I, I have for our, our sweet, sweet local boy, Patrick Sharp, like, we just... We can't keep recycling the oh. same, like, second, third-line guys that, yeah, fans of the sport know, but if you don't already love the sport, you're not going to know who Dominic Moore is. Well... Or Kevin Bieksa is. The whole problem I have with hockey intermissions, we've had this conversation before, is they take themselves too seriously. And Patrick Sharp is like one of the best out there. And you watch him talk and it's like, even he is painful sometimes where it's just like, oh yeah, and I remember when I was playing for the Chicago Blackhawks and like maybe cracks a joke and like everyone has like an awkward smile and it's just like, God, this really isn't working. When you watch other sports, it's like, this is the best we've got. Sharp's good. Mm. I would definitely keep him on television. Like, even I was having a conversation with the guys at the high button the other day. Is, you know, who would be guys that you would want on your ideal panel? And and the guys said, like, even though I don't really like his opinion, like, BX is good on TV. Sure. Yeah, he's good on TV. Whatever. What do you do with Colby Armstrong? Armstrong is a guy who works on your buddy panel. But do I ever want to see him break down the X's and O's of the fucking hockey game? No. Not really. He's not very good at that. Once he gets serious, he sucks. Like, he's terrible. But when he's joking around and having a good time, he's great. Th- these guys are everywhere. Like, all you need to do is create the right culture, the right setting for this sort of panel, and it'll work. But, you know, how 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 long? How much longer are we going to keep going with these fucking dry guys who are just like, well, I remember in the 80s here, uh, we played the trap, and, you know, and it's like, all right, well, that's great, bro. That yeah. was uh, 100 years ago. I never played in the cellar cap world or, you know, with the rules that we have in place today. You know, when I was on the Red Wings, fucking Brett Hall took $8 million instead of $14 million to play on the second line, and that's why we won. Yeah, that's cool. You, you guys were paying like a $250 million fucking roster in 1998. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of teams don't have that luxury. Um, Tampa Bay does, but that's about it. Now, uh, maybe not the best segue, but... Better than his. Uh, speaking of making jokes on the air and uh, trying to get away from the seriousness of, of the between period oh. uh, discussion, uh, Ron McLean found himself in a little bit of hot water. He uh, did the other night. He did. And I, for myself, I was watching that game. Yeah. And I kind of like I don't really pay attention fully to the intermission. Like I'm on my phone. I'm on my laptop doing shit. Like I. I I can hear what's going on, and then I, I there's laughter, and then, I don't know. I go on Twitter, and there's this big firestorm, and I have to go back and watch the clip a couple times to really uh, sit down and figure out what went on here. Um, unfortunate wordplay, I think, is is the best way to sum that up. I don't think, at the end of the day, that anyone could could think there was any ill intent coming from yeah. Ron McLean of all people. 
Yeah, it had it had to be pointed out to me, put it that way. Like that's how unclear it was. And then once I heard it, I'm like, oh yeah, fuck. Like if that <laughs> that came out horribly, actually, mm. when you think about it. But um I mean like, you know you, you hate to give the benefit of the doubt when people don't deserve it. But I think Ron McLean has earned the benefit of the doubt uh at this stage. And um you know, like they're they're there are fewer people in the game of hockey that I think uh, do a better job of giving back and trying to be as inclusive as possible. So, for me to think that that's what he meant when he said it, I have a very hard time believing that. I, you know what I mean? Like I'm just, and I'm not saying people shouldn't be upset. Like, yeah, if that if that's how you heard it, and especially if you're not someone overly familiar with Ron McLean, sounded horrible, like a horrible comment to make on on TV. But um, do I think he meant it? No, there's no way he meant it like that. There's, yeah. there's no way. Like, I don't even believe he has, like, a thought like that in his head. I, I just can't see it. Which is amazing, considering how much time he spent sitting oh, next to, um... Fucking right. What, uh, what's his name? Um, he's been... Daryl Strawberry? Gone for a few years, like I think. Some fruit. Yeah. <laughs> well, now, let's... Let's just, uh, amend oh, our Oh, I meant comments. fruit, uh, yes. the fruit. Whoa. Sorry, yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, no, I don't, uh... I don't know. It, it came out... It came out very wrong, but, um, you know, I I believe him when he says it. Now, having said that, uh, when he explained what he was trying to get at, I don't get that joke. I don't get what his real joke was. He's like, I don't know, I was referring to the rum. Well, that's not. That's also not what I thought you meant. So I, I didn't really get his explanation, but I believe he didn't mean anything ill will. What I thought he meant when he said, you're positive for something... I thought he was making a comment about, like... Because it was a picture of, like, Anthony Stewart and Wayne Simmons and shit like that, wasn't it? Yeah. I thought he was chirping Stewie's body. Like, oh. just, like, being, like, a bigger guy. I thought he was just, like... Plus I, guy. Yeah, I thought yeah. he was making, like, a like a joke about Stewie, but yeah. I guess he wasn't. I mean, if I had a nickel for every time I understood a Ron McLean <laughs> pun or reference, I'd be a very poor man, you know? Um, yeah. Enough to make a phone call, perhaps. But that's about it. It it it's my favorite thing in the world when it's like seven o'clock. They play the intro for Hockey Night in Canada, and the theme's playing in the background. Ron just starts talking, and he'll sometimes talk. Back in his prime, he would talk for two and a half minutes, and you would be like, "What the hell is he talking about?" And then at the end, he'd be like, oh, "The lyrics to Jeremy by Pearl Jam, there to bring you in." And it's like, wait, did he just recite the lyrics to a song? Like, as if they were poetry, like, yeah. nine minutes before the Leafs are going to beat the hell out of the Senators. Or he'll talk about the, you know, famed explorer that discovered the Anaheim Bay in 1804 or something. And Yeah. Yeah, it's great. I'm fucking talking about Magellan, and then we're watching Saku Koyavu versus Matt Sundin on a Saturday night. That's right. And then Bob McCole, Bob Cole comes on, and he's fucking doing his thing. And he, you don't know yeah. what the hell he's saying. Yeah, it was very confusing to be a hockey fan when you were 10 years old. You didn't know yeah. you didn't know what the hell was going on. That's probably why you liked Don Cherry is he was the first guy who come on and like speak non-poetic English <laughs> at that point of the broadcast. Yeah. He was the he was the non-Shakespearean type of Oh, yeah. Uh, That's a polite way of putting it, for yeah. sure. You know, he he says you know you gotta you gotta keep your stick on the ice. Hey, my coach said that. I know what that means. That's right. You know, Ron McLean's talking about yeah discovering new worlds, <laughs> boldly going, putting a man on the moon. It's yeah. like, well, Jesus. Well, Ron McLean obviously treasured uh, one of the faces of, of of hockey broadcasting. I would say, regardless of which country you live in, 
guy's been doing an uh, amazing job for uh, close to 40 years now, I'd have to say. It's getting pretty close to there. Uh, Mid-80s, he came aboard with the CBC. Yeah. Um, he, he's the old, the new, might be, Stephen A. Smith. <laughs> um, who we've, we mentioned him a couple oh, weeks nice. ago, I guess a couple months now close to it what is time um, it's all the same and and uh, obviously Stephen A. Smith everybody uh, loves basketball coverage down in the states and uh, now the, the hockey's coming and he's got to get ready mm-hmm. and he is very publicly aware that uh, he's not ready mm-hmm. um, that's right but the guy seems to have a lot of fun. He seems to oh, you know, uh, approach his job with a, a real sense of humor. And um, he, he dove in. And, and we'll, we're going to talk about the Oilers. Don't, don't, get, don't get me wrong. Oh, but great. He, he dove into what was wrong with the Edmonton Oilers. That's right. This is, this is a guy that like <laughs> probably knows a half dozen names uh, in the NHL currently. Yeah. Probably a dozen names overall. <laughs> and... Yeah. Um, it was. It was like I gotta say, as much as I disagree with him, uh, I thought it For was sure. a, a lot of fun uh, watching him break down and, and freak out over um, the failures of the Edmonton Oilers, specifically placing the blame on the two big superstars there, Connor McDavid, Leon Draisaitl. Um, it was kind of fun because, like, you you see that approach in the NBA, and you're like, yeah, that makes sense. Like, yeah, LeBron, you right. shouldn't get swept in the first round. Yeah, but you're one sixth of of the manpower on the court at any given time so there is a lot more pressure on the individual player in in that sport whereas in hockey i i don't know if Stephen a smith realizes yet you gotta kind of rely on 15 16 other guys most nights to to get you a win so um while like i said i didn't love the angle he was coming from uh, i absolutely loved the delivery i thought i thought everything he did was was spectacular and he's only going to get better as as he you know starts to learn oh, yeah. more about the sport. Yeah, because like if if you're a basketball fan, learning about you know, like in your first four months of learning about hockey, basically, and you see a team like Edmonton get swept, the initial reaction would be that well, if two defensemen on the Winnipeg Jets are double teaming Connor McDavid, how come Connor McDavid doesn't pass it to an open guy who can then just score? You know what I mean? Like that would what it would be in the NBA, right? Is like if if LeBron's double teamed. Well, you can't hit him while he's got the ball. So LeBron should be able to pass it to a guy because if he's being double-teamed, someone on the court is open for a fucking shot. So there's no excuse for that kind of stuff to happen. But if Connor McDavid's getting double-teamed on a fucking two-on-two and he can't get the pass off, even if he gets the pass off, there's no guarantee that fucking Alex Chason is going to score. In fact, he's probably going to fire the puck into the crowd. So, uh, you know what I mean? Like, I get why he thought is going on he's he's learning and it's uh it's just nice to see him take an interest because uh he's entertaining man he's like that all the time it's fucking he's great it's uh, you know what i I saw some people upset with it i know like i'll 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 kind of sympathize with you it's new but what i will say you gotta get used to it because it's coming and it's only gonna be more and more frequent and the dude's not gonna change for you um so He's Actually, not but, for everybody. But that's well. What do you, but wouldn't won't change how he's not going to change his shtick. Oh no, for no. Sure. So if you don't like him now, don't really know what to tell you because he doesn't even have the rights to the hockey like, to the NHL at this point, and he's making comments. So like, you either got to get on board well, or see. I used to hate him because sure. I I thought his shtick was more him being 
an asshole. And then I realized after people explained it to me, it's like, no, he's doing, he's kind of doing a bit, man. Like, he's kind of just a character and is kind of playing a role and thinks the things he says a lot of the time. But sometimes he's just trying to have fun with it. And as soon as you kind of realize that and accept that, I think you need to realize that he's never going to be the, like, he's, he's not the voice of the NBA either. You know what I mean? He's not the voice of the NFL. Right, right. He's just one guy who has a show that happens that happens to be like the most watched fucking daytime sports show, right? So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's one of those things like, uh, he's not going to change his shtick. What he will change is his opinions, though. He's going to learn more, and he is very much the type. I don't know if people give him credit for this. When he's wrong, he... Uh, listen, I was wrong. Like, he, he, he very much is willing to admit he's wrong after the fact yep. so i think the more he learns about the sport the more fun we're gonna have i i, I like him I, I think he's enjoyable yeah i can't wait honestly um i don't know how much we're gonna get to see of him on a night-to-night basis up here in canada but i i'm looking forward to it. next year i think will be fun when some crazy shit starts going down crazy goals are happening he's gonna have some fun reactions for yeah sure. i think so i think one of my favorite Stephen a bits if you're not super familiar with him is uh um he often bets against the Cowboys sometimes, and when he's right, he'll just do like a minute and a half Twitter video of him smoking a cigar, drinking wine, and it's, I was talking about how right he was and everything like that, and it's great. Hmm. I can't wait till, you know, he f- jumps on the Connor McDavid bandwagon and realizes eventually he wins a cup. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Sorry, is he ESPN or TNT? He is ESPN. ESPN. Okay, yeah. I'm, I'm already getting those two networks. Yeah, up, it's, so. yeah, it's it's hard to keep track of, but he's ESPN. Um, to the ongoing and finished series that we that we have, mm-hmm. um, it's been it's been a week. Calgary, Vancouver, yeah. finally finished. Well, uh, finally got season up. series. It's it's been a week. I'll, I'll say that much. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Oh, it's been great. Uh, obviously, that when we talked to you last week, some of the series hadn't even started yet. Um, so, uh, we got a lot, got a lot to talk about, uh, as far as, far as uh, where we're at, uh, one week later, let's start same order we did last time. We'll be you know, continuity. People like that. You know, it's, it's, you can go, you can sit down and, and you know, um, that you're going to get to hear, uh, James and you're going to get to hear Brutes and it's on Fridays and, oh, we're going to do this in this order and there's an awful, like, you know, you got to hit your marks. You got to be consistent and that's what people like. So, um, We'll start out uh, with the uh, the West, the Honda West. Okay. All right. The Colorado Avalanche, to no one's surprise, uh, have advanced to the second round. Um, and to maybe everyone except Jordan Bennington's surprise, did so in four games. So uh, the the lone sweep on the board, the Colorado... Oh, sorry. Uh, no, not the lone sweep. No. Mm. No. Mm. Sorry. Spoiler alert. Sorry. Uh, one of the uh, lone sweeps... Sweeps. <laughs> well, it's not one of the lone sweeps because it's not alone. There's two of them. Yeah, Multiple but the, it's a lone ranger. One it is alone. one of two sweeps. Right. This would be the proper nomenclature there. Uh, let's move on. <laughs> Soliloquy for the Blues. Oh, I mean, like I don't know. What, what do you even say? Like I just I don't really know. Look, uh, like are the Blues in crisis mode? I I wouldn't say so. No. For a team that gets swept in the first round, you got swept by. Uh, analytically speaking, maybe the greatest regular season team that's ever happened is the Colorado Avalanche this year. If you if you're an analytics guy, 
It's hard to argue against, right? Ah, the computer nerds. There were several times they got blown out, and they were always their goaltender's fault, basically. So, the Avs are really good. The Blues are super banged up. By all accounts, there's almost no one on the team that is healthy from what uh, from what they're at least leading us to believe. I don't know if that's excuse time or it's reality. It's probably a bit of both. But, um, you know, like Doug Armstrong mentioned this week that Jaden Schwartz was going through something this year. We don't know what that is. Uh, Tarasenko probably rushed back too early. Pareko, for sure, we know for a fact, is not healthy. He's probably going to need some sort of a back surgery this summer and likely is going to miss some time to start next year. Tori Krug's battling through something. Like, the only guy that we knew was probably healthy was Ryan O'Reilly and probably Jordan Bennington. Mm. You know? This is a team, for sure. Like, they won the Cup as a team. They're not a team that won because they have the best player in the world and then some decent pieces. They won because they're a deep lineup, and this year they had no depth. Yep. So, to be shocked, like, I'm not sure that Colorado's the only team that would have swept them, to be honest, you know? But, um... Like, should they panic about that? Like, I don't know. As long as a lot of these guys are going to come back healthy next year, you got to make some improvements to the roster, obviously. You know, you lost one of the best defensemen of the last 20 years mm-hmm. <laughs> to free agency. A lot of big bucks coming off this summer, though, too, right? Like, you, you, you got um, Alex Steen's final year finally comes off the books. I know it was all LTIR, but regardless, you got that. Uh, Jaden Schwartz, probably look at bringing him back, I would imagine, but... In any case, that, that deal could be off the book. Todd Bozak, I uh, don't think he's coming back at $5 million, regardless. Uh, Mike Hoffman at four, I doubt it. You Bozak's I mean? going to Toronto for sure. Yeah, wow. League I, men. I, yeah. I fucking love him. But, like, there's money there to play with. I think that if they want to go out and try to replace yep. Petrangelo, they can. If they want to address the depth, they can. Like, I think there's <sighs> definitely some, some options for them. But They don't have any, like, holy fuck bad contracts. They have a few where it's like, eh. Bozak you know. was one of the worst ones, I would say. Yeah, probably. And that, yeah. that comes. And but even he was serviceable, right? Like, yeah, you it's know, only because he's thirty-five, right? That's why I'm saying that. You and I disagree on Bennington. Like, I sure. I don't know how that's going to age, but as of right now, like, is six million dollars for next year a horrible salary for him? No, that's fine. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, Falk, we'll see what happens with his health, but yeah. I mean, uh, you know, like that's that's fine. Like, it, it's not it's not a mess. But, um... Folks, another one of those guys, too, where you could be looking at Seattle, right? Yeah. Um, you got to put somebody out there. If if Seattle's looking at well, St. Louis's roster and they're saying, well, we can take Justin Falk or we can have Steven Santini. It'll be up to Falk because Falk's a, a no-trade clause guy. So... It, no movement for... Um, Oh, I thought I thought it had to be no trade too. Well, no. regardless, I mean, yeah, if that's going to be a guy that yeah. that they send, that's fine. I don't know. Like, I I think I think there's room to work with here, but I mean, the average age of this core is getting up there, sure. and if these guys don't uh, like aren't able to bounce back from their injuries, then I don't really know what more there is to say about the Blues. Like, it it might be rebuild time, and we've kind of had different conversations about this team constantly. It's really hard to make of what they what they are for sure, but they're you know still less than two years technically removed from a Stanley Cup, so... Yeah, I think they can take another kick at it and, and feel confident and go next year. Especially going, you know, back into the regular divisions, non-COVID world. They, they'd struggled with some COVID cases. Yeah. I don't know. We'll, we'll see what next year brings. A, bi- a big one for me is is Tarasenko. Yeah. Because he's played 34 games in the last two years. And hasn't particularly... Didn't particularly look good this year. Hasn't killed it. So, yeah. you know... Um, we'll see. 
shifting to the Avalanche for a second before we move on, I, I know like what what could we possibly have to talk about the Colorado Avalanche for? They just, oh, they're cooked. Uh, Single handedly uh, had the best opening round that a team can have. Um, but as we mentioned last week, uh, Nazem Kadri throws the big hit uh, against Tori Krug. Uh, obviously, to the head. We all knew the suspension was coming when we talked. We didn't know what it was going to look like. Uh, you and I talked about what it could be, and now we know that it's an eight-game suspension for Nazem Kadri in the playoffs. Uh, that included games three and four of the opening round, so he's going to be out until at least game six uh, of the second round against uh, either Vegas or Minnesota. Um, but he is appealing, mm-hmm. and I think he might have a case. Now, whether or not he gets this appeal processed and filed properly, the you know the Wild and Golden Knights going to seven games certainly helps out. If he if he gets back in time, you know, and gets a verdict out of this, um, I don't know if, if that's realistic. But I I think there's a bit of a case that he he could have that number brought down a bit, strictly because of the NHL's definition of what a repeat offender is. And if you read the rule. A repeat offender is anyone that enacts uh, an infraction, a suspendable infraction, uh, within the last 18 months. Now, this guy hasn't been suspended since he's joined the Colorado Avalanche. And that was over 18 months ago. So, by definition, he's not a repeat offender right? in the eyes of the NHL. That's why I think he might be able to go and state his case and have a third-party bring that number down. Should he have gotten eight games? Absolutely. But, I don't know. I'm, I'm starting to think maybe if the paperwork's filed properly, we could see him sooner. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that, that might be right. I mean, the legal definition is what it's all going to come down to, right? Like, that's, that's the problem that, you know, I didn't really see anyone be like, Oh well, you know he deserves to be kicked out of the league or anything. I, I don't really, I don't spend a lot of time on Avs or Blues Twitter, put it that way. But um, like that—that's all it comes down to, and that's the problem. Is just like you know, with Tom Wilson getting twenty games, and he's like, "Well, he's going to appeal it." Well, he should have got more than twenty. It's like, yeah, well, he didn't, and legally, this is a completely different matter, right? Like now, it's just the definition of the fucking CBA, basically, and uh, it's out of the league's hand. So league did their part. Like, do I think that eight was fair? Um, probably should have been longer, but I, I don't know if there was an issue for them uh, having to put, you know, a concrete number down this time rather than being able to just kind of say, well, ne- the next series and a half or whatever, or till the conference final. Like, I don't know if it was hard for them to maybe define the length there once it got appealed. Like, I I don't know. I. Uh, because it took a while to come down, if you recall. It took forever. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. it was Friday. We were told at noon he was gonna. We were gonna have a verdict, and then it just dragged and dragged. Well, and dragged. they were they were getting ready to play. And, and they, no, I think I think the puck had dropped. And, and yeah. Then by the time they got the, the news so he didn't there, play right. Like no. they held him out. Yeah. Okay. I was making sure they didn't go full MLB on that one. And it's like, well, yeah, no, just play, and we'll figure out how long to kick you out after. Well, then just don't give him anything. <laughs> like. If, if a guy's going to get suspended maybe 40 or maybe 80 games, but you're not going to know for 30, fuck it. Who gives a shit then? Just let him play. Because yeah. clearly you don't give a shit about it. Fuck the MLB. But, yeah, I don't know. The Eight, eight games, I, I would have liked to see it be more of a... You're suspended until the conference final. 
I, yeah. I, you know, obviously we said last week that's what we thought was fair. That's what I would have liked for them to say, but I don't know if that maybe gets trickier in an arbitration hearing, and um, maybe you lose ground when you when you're a little more, um, a little more unclear about the length. So I don't know. I don't know if that played a factor or not. But sure, uh, if we're gonna put a number on it, eight's about right. Like he missed. Yeah, I think ten would have been he missed. He'll, the max. He'll be back for game seven of the next series, I guess, because he's already missed two. So then he's gonna miss six more, right? Yeah, so I guess my math was off on that. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Um, awaiting the Avalanche are to play either of the Golden Knights or the Wild, right. uh, who uh, Minnesota forced. Ooh boy! Uh, game seven uh, after on the back of a Cam Talbot shutout in Game six. Uh, let's let's check the board for things I didn't expect back in January. Um, this has been like. Not to watch, necessarily, but a really interesting series. Actually, I thought the first boring game was last night, game six. That was the first one that I watched where I'm like, this sucks. But even the one nothing game one is one of the game best games awesome. of the playoffs. Yeah. Like, it's one of the best games we've had so far. And so, uh, yeah, I don't know. They're two interesting teams, and I think the game being boring last night was more of a testament to how Vegas wanted the game to be in Minnesota rather than Minnesota not being able to break through like I think uh, I mean they did eventually but I think Vegas more so controlled the first half of the game and then I turned it off because I was bored so uh, yeah I don't know I, I it's been interesting I will watch game seven if I'm if I'm free I'll be working but I'll definitely have it on in the background um, I'm pulling for the wild at this point like the 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 Knights had them on the ropes I didn't really care Watching a team win two in a row um, to, to force game seven. I'm all about that shit. So, you know what? You battled. You got to where you are. Let's have some fun. Robin Lehner, uh, any chance we're going to see him come up off the bench for, for game seven? I, I'm assuming Fleury's going to start, but he had a couple shaky starts in games five and six. Yeah. Maybe a short leash with well, Pete that, That's the problem is, like, I haven't watched five and six. Like, I saw five, five was the one... Minnesota won, and they only had, like, 14 shots. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... And they only had 23 last night, and they still got three by them. Yeah. I know how good Flurry was this year. Like, I understand that. But... I don't know. Like, you know, it's not like we're talking about a goalie here who has never had his rough patches. This is a guy who's been done, like, six times in his fucking career already, and he just... He keeps rising from the dead somehow, and uh, showing up, but I don't know, like, who who do I think is legitimately the better goaltender? Like, I, th- I think, pound for pound, if we're talking technical, I think it's Leonard. But, who's gonna steal you game seven, especially at home? Flurry all day for me, baby. Like, I, I, I go Flurry, and you'd, everyone knows how big of a Robin Leonard guy I am, but... Yeah. I go flurry for sure. Like he's he's your guy, I think, right now. And I, I think um, he starts. I hate to say it. Yeah, no, starts. I mean, don't get me wrong, Minnesota scores two goals on three shots. I think any goalie gets fucking pulled for That's me. Fair. But um, you know, especially game seven at home, if it's quick like that, you fucking yank him. But um I think the Pete DeBoer's got the old uh stone wheel sharpening the sword ready to go uh you know sheathed in his pocket it it is it is insane the luck that pete DeBoer has had over the years with his goaltenders or lack thereof i guess is what i'm getting at like best goalie before this year he's ever coached was fucking thomas vocoon probably 
and well Schneider, and then Schneider blew his knee out. Like it's he's never had any luck. Martin Jones. Yeah, and then he mm. and then he fucking. We don't, we know we don't speak there. that name on this yeah, podcast. Yeah, I wonder what happened there. Um, yeah, you're just looking to pass blame off on that one. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, not that I think they'd get past the Avalanche, but if the Wild win, it keeps my team's hopes of uh, home ice advantage in the Final Four alive. So, okay, go go Wild, I guess at this point. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Um. The New York Islanders uh, oh, the New and York a Islanders. raucous Nassau Coliseum crowd uh, defeat the Pittsburgh Penguins in Game Six by a score of I want to say five to three. There might have been an empty net there, six to three, something like that. Yeah. Um, boy, I tuned in for the, the third period of that one, and uh, that crowd was nuts. I don't know how full that building was. I know it's small and decrepit and falling apart, but it sounded that good. was polite of you to say. Yeah, it sounded good. Yeah. Yeah, it's sort of amazing that thing has not literally turned to dust yet. It's almost an outdoor game. Um, yeah. Good. I mean, cool. Whatever. I don't know. I, I hate Islanders fans, but uh, good for them. The four seed knocking off the one. I don't know. Like, that's, knock on wood, probably the only one we're going to see here. So, I was I was a little shocked. I'll, I'll say that much. I, I really thought that... Well, if any Sid fourth seed was going to do it, that was it, right? That, hands down. That, hands that, down. I mean, you would think anyway. I yeah. guess there's still technically two it on is the hockey. table, but yeah, um, yeah. I, I don't know. Like, you're it, not it, wrong. You, I mean, you took the Islanders to win that series. Yeah, but I only did that because I <laughs> I had other interests in mind. Like, I like there's just something about like Sid and, and Malkin. It's where it's like, how how do you on paper really cheer against them. And I know you can say the same thing about Connor and uh, Dreisaitl, but I don't know. I've been watching uh, those two do it for so long. No, it's, just... it's different with Sid and, and Gino, though, because Sid and Gino have done it and have proven it, and I mean, I understand McDavid had 280 points in 43 games this year, or whatever the fuck. But they haven't won anything yet. So, like, there's no... Like, they rock right now, and in the moment it's cool to watch, but like, are you really going to sit here and, and tell me that, like, you know, they're these unbelievable legacy guys? Like, not yet. They will be. It's going to be fine. I realize it doesn't sound like it, Oilers, but it's going to be okay eventually. And if not, they'll win somewhere else. But for me, like, I don't really give a shit. Like, I see them lose, and I'm like, yeah, okay. Like, this is just part of the journey, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, for Sid and Gino, they've done it. They've shown they're capable of doing it. They've literally been the only two guys on the team playing good. Sometimes going into the playoffs, such as this year, and uh, How dare you. they couldn't really get it done. But like, that is the first time in a while where I'm going to sit here and say that a different goaltender, probably a different outcome, because yeah, wow. he was Jari was horrible, like, like horrible. Not like we're looking for an explanation here. I'm not looking for an explanation. That is the only explanation. It was, this is not a six-game Islander win uh, if you get a few of those saves. And uh, you can say that about every series, but should they have gotten those saves? Of course they should have. There's, there's 40 or 50 goalies in the league that are capable of making most of those saves. Jari is one of them, I think, but, like, he didn't. He made the list of the NHL's top 16 goaltenders oh, to watch in the, uh, in the yeah, playoffs, That was the quite the list, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, Bobrovsky looked great, mm. too. 
Hmm. Robin save. Leonard has been an impact. Robin Leonard, $10 million for, uh, or sorry, Sergey Bobrovsky, $10 million for, uh, what, a 423 save percentage or whatever? Yeah, fucking rocks. Has Peter Morazic played the, yeah, yet this, <laughs> this playoffs? Um, yeah, what? We're going to say, like, come on. We're going to sit here and pretend Peter Morazic's a good goalie. Fuck off. Peter Morazic plays on a good team and is, like, does a good job for them. If you think he's a good goalie, kick fucking rocks, man. Like, that is insane. Um, for the Penguins, uh, I know a lot of noise was made about uh, uh, last summer and, and the goalie free agency carousel that existed, and we all kind of crapped on the Oilers for not doing anything. Mike Smith looked fine, so whatever, I guess they kind of knew what they were doing in that regard. But, like, how much are you maybe kicking yourself at this point if you're in the front office of the Penguins looking at all the names that got passed around and, and you ended up sticking with Tristan Jari that in every essence of the of the sense dropped the ball in this series your backup was Maxim Legacy like I, I don't what happened to Casey DeSmith he's hurt okay he's not on their injured list or anything so I, I wasn't sure yeah he, he was ruled out I mean cause DeSmith De, DeSmith is a fucking 9-16 goalie over 70 games in his career I'm not gonna sit here and say that he's like unreal yeah but uh, do I think he's like definitively worse than Jari? No. I, I've never been a Jari guy, really. I don't get it. I get the year he had last year. Jari was unbelievable. But, like, uh, have have bad goalies had good stretches before? Uh, believe it or not, once or twice, yeah. Like, I, I, I get you maybe don't want to turn to maximum legacy in that game, but it's... That, it's that, a big that, moment to put the kid in, I get it. But. When, 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 that, when the Islanders had those two goals in, what was it, like 18 seconds... You make the switch right then and there, I think. And any other time. You, you gotta... You gotta. I don't care who the backup is at that point. You maybe. roll with it. And maybe you don't get that fifth goal against you. You're still down once. It's not like the Penguins force any sort of a comeback. So maybe it doesn't move the needle at all. But I just... You, you, could, you could tell there was no confidence on that bench in their goaltender. And then you can't really play as, you know, balls to the wall offensive hockey in that sense because everyone's kind of looking over their, their you back. You don't have that swagger or that confidence, right? Like yeah. It's just, it's hard. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, if if they entered the year and thought, like, well, if things go wrong with Jari, at least we have DeSmith, and then they didn't have DeSmith, and that kind of shot them in the foot. Like, I understand that maybe that's um, maybe that's part of the issue, but I guess my point is that if you don't have a third string strong enough to go to, if you know, one guy's hurt and one guy's out, then maybe that was part of the issue in the first place, you know? So, I, I don't know. Yeah, you're, you're partially right. And Maxim Legacy played one game this year and he had a shutout. So, maybe that should have been the guy to at least put in and see what happens. Like, I don't know. How much did we buy the whole experience matters in the playoffs narrative? For players, I, I do. For goalies, I, I don't at all. There's one name we're going to get to that, uh, yeah... Um, yeah. I wonder if we're going to see another Penguins goalie get lost in the expansion draft. Oh, my God. Um, well, not if Seattle's got anything to say about it. <laughs> the Boston Bruins uh, upset the Washington Capitals. Two upsets uh, in, in, in the East. Pretty cool. Yeah. Pretty cool. Um, well, mm, mm. Uh, they take out the Washington Capitals in five games. A pretty convincing series uh, by all accounts. The first three went to overtime. I'm not going to sit, sit here and say it wasn't close, but the Bruins were, at the end of the day, the better team. 
night in and night out. Yeah. The Caps, I'll give Caps a lot of credit because there was a couple, couple of those games they did not deserve to be in. They showed up, they played hard, and uh, they just got overmatched. The amazing thing about it, too, is I watched the entirety of Game 1, and the Bruins were uh, bad. And yeah. the rest of the series, the Bruins showed up. Like, they, they woke up, and they yeah. woke up on time, and they proved that if they're ready to go and the Capitals kind of aren't, they're going to they're gonna kill you. Did the Caps right? win that first game? Yeah. Oh, so it was a four-game. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's... Uh, and I mean, like, I, I was I was shocked. I'm like, wow, it's Bruins in five, eh? That's crazy. And I thought about it. I'm like, well, I took Bruins in six. And, you know, maybe if the fuck up behind the net doesn't happen in game sure. three or four or whatever, yeah. like, maybe it is a six-game series. But this is roughly what I, I expected was going to happen. The Caps are... Uh, the Caps just ran into the wrong matchup, honestly, man. Like, I don't... I think that's part I think of that's it. Fair. Like, I just... They didn't exactly enter the playoffs setting the world on fire, and the Bruins did. And if the Caps had a, maybe a different matchup where they had a little more time to kind of get their feet under them and a team that's less aggressive and less on you than the Bruins, maybe the Caps get moving, and maybe the Caps show up for round two, and maybe they're the better team, and maybe they, they go on a run. But wrong team at the wrong time in the Bruins. And I'll say this about the Caps, too, is... You know, it's not like a blow-up-the-team sort of uh, thing I'm going to say here, but it's going to sound like it. Uh, a lot of their core players were not as good as they needed to be and or were not healthy, and this is something that, you know, we could have talked about at some point over the last few weeks, but we just haven't really had time to get to it. Like, there are a lot of reports that they're really not happy with Evgeny Kuznetsov and that he yeah. is probably going to get traded this summer, and I, uh, I buy it to the extent of I think they're going to try to, whether or not they're going to find the right deal for him, I think that's going to be hard to do. And still, you know, come back the next year, really good team. Like, I just don't know if there's a hockey deal to be had for him, really. But I don't, I like, I hate to use this as a crutch because I, I feel like I do every time that we have this kind of conversation. But, like, with with everything that happened with Vegas, I don't know what is reality anymore in, in the world of uh, the offseason when you're talking about an expansion team. Like, Kuznetsov could be the perfect kind of guy to go to Seattle in, in this instance. Now, you want to recoup something there. So you're probably looking to make a backdoor deal with Ron Francis and say, you know what, we don't have a first-round pick this year. We sure would like one. Um, can you flip us one of the ones that you're event, you know, inevitably going to get from some other team and we'll give you Kuznetsov and, uh, oh, by the way, you still get to take one of our other guys that we're you know, not able to protect. So... Seattle, you know the the kind of the Florida Panthers deal where you give up two guys, yeah, maybe to save somebody else. You get a guy that you don't want off the books. Seattle gets a top six centerman to start things off right off the bat. I mean, um, I'm not saying yes, but Brian McClellan is a guy that's often thought outside the box. So I wouldn't say that you're completely insane in suggesting that maybe that's something he would want to do. Because because that stuff's got a no no modified no trade at this point. You've got to submit it. I like. I don't even know if you're allowed to put Seattle on that list. Like, maybe maybe you are, maybe you're not. I, I don't know. I but don't know. Um, you're right. Like, that's something that we haven't talked about um, lately. I, I think he's gone. I don't see how he isn't. Well, uh, he's been he's been in, an increasingly large distraction with less positive output on the. Like, mm-hmm. he had a horrible season. Yeah. Uh, for his standards, he's supposed to be a number one centerman in the National Hockey League on a team that has Nicholas fucking Backstrom. He is supposed to be like a top 20 center in the league indisputably and uh he wasn't even close he wasn't even a top two centerman on their team so like that's part part of the re- like you know what i mean i had them being really really good this year 
I thought they were going to be a lot better because I thought Kuznetsov was going to bounce back. And he, from the start of the season, when it, with the hotel thing and the fucking COVID thing, like just nonstop this year, a negative distraction from the outside. I can only imagine what things were like uh, down at ice level for that team. I don't, I'm not, you know, I, I think he's a bit of a mess right now. Yeah. Would I trade for him? For sure. But <laughs> Well, I think there's a few teams that would. 100%, the, I'd take the fucking risk. The, the other aspect here is that you've got a free agent in Alex Ovechkin, and you don't have yeah, a lot of money a lot of to play with. talk about that. Yeah. So, like, I'm not going to sit here and say that Ovechkin is not coming back to the Caps. I, I think he is. I, I would be shocked I if, if he went elsewhere. I don't think trading Kuznetsov would help keep Ovechkin. <laughs> no, that's another thing, too, eh? But you need the cap. Like, you need the I, cap no, I, I get it. So... I get it, but, like, that might be a situation where... I don't I don't know. He's... Uh, you know what? The thing is, is he just got signed to a... He, he got signed to a 13-year fucking contract, so we haven't had to have this conversation since we were children. He's unpredictable, though. Like, Ovi is a little unpredictable. Do I think he's going to retire in Washington? Probably. Uh, or at least I think he's going to sign another contract there, but... Is it crazy to say that he goes elsewhere? I don't know. Like, I don't know how happy he really is in Washington. I think he's pretty happy, but who the fuck knows with him? Yeah. I, I, I think he comes back. Like, Kuznetsov is a factor. Nicky Backstrom's this boy. Like, I think so. You know? Um, I mean, he's hanging out in Kuznetsov's hotel room. So. Uh, that's true. Um, you you got other Russians on the team. You got Orlov. You got Samsonov. You know, you you, you can get well, your. I don't your think fill. he likes Samsonov right oh, now well. either. He wasn't too happy with him there. Was that the goalie in that, that yeah. night? Yeah. Um, I think that was more Schultz though. Eh? It looked like I, it was a little both, but I think it was should have been Schultz's puck. I, I think it was a little bit of both. Yeah. But yeah. I I can see how you blame the twenty four year old goaltender in his like rookie year on that one. Well, maybe, especially but... too. Again, going back to it, if they're buddies, yeah, you're gonna freak out on your buddy more than you're gonna freak out on a what, guy you've only known for a few months. What would you give Alex Ovechkin at this point? Ooh. He's coming off well, a 9-5 and change uh, cap hit. You know, like, any more than three years? Because you know he wants that record, right? So, so he, here's the problem. If... If... Uh, you you have to you have to give him whatever because here's the problem. If Brian McClellan looks at Ovechkin and he's like, "Hey, I'm going to give you a two year deal, uh, nine million dollars a year, eighteen million dollar deal, two years to play two more years here in Washington," and Ovechkin goes, "Okay, yeah, well, uh, thanks for the offer. Uh, can we do eight million over four years?" And Brian McClellan's like, "I am not signing you for four million dollars. Have you seen your fucking body and the amount of hits you've thrown over the last fifteen years? You're gone, buddy." And uh, I, I, I don't see how that makes the Caps better short term. So the team's going to be worse. And then people, everyone, is going to be pissed that Brian McClellan's the guy that let Ovechkin walk. Without considering the fact that, well, did you want Ovechkin for four more years on a contract that maybe was going to be bad? You know, like, it, it, that's a hard one to say. Can you let Ovechkin walk? I don't think you can. And the problem is, is that he pretty much is going to call the shots. So uh, what would I give him? On a va- on a value, I don't think he's worth anything more than nine million at this point. Which is still a lot of money, um, you know. But if he wants ten or eleven, I probably would have to give it to him too because I just don't want to get fired. That's for the thing. letting Ovechkin. That's walk. the thing, right? Like Brian like, McClellan has a boss, who I'm sure 
he knows three things about hockey, and one of them is, oh, Alex Ovechkin's good. That's another problem, too, right? Like, and I don't even know if that's a wrong way to look at it. Like, you have the greatest goal scorer of all time, and if the cost of doing business with him to get him to try to break Gretzky's record is, look, I'm only staying here if you sign me for five more years. I don't know. I don't really think a lot of people are going to be like, well, that was dumb. I, 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 like, it could not work out, and I think people would still be like, you had to keep him. Like, I just don't think there's really a choice, unfortunately. I think you could talk Ovi down and, and say... I don't know that he's completely unreasonable. Sure. I, I'm just assuming he is for the because, sake of this conversation. Because a lot of people seem to think that he's going to go to the KHL at some point. So I think you could talk him down and say, hey, here's a three-year deal. If you're not within a stone's throw of the record, you're 38, you can go back to the K, you can play a couple years still. We all wash our hands, you get what you want, we kind of get what we want, instead of saying, like, yeah, here's five five years, and then he's, you know, totally shot by the time he's 39, and, you know, can barely get to 20 goals, right. and doesn't have a prayer of getting anywhere close to the record, and now he's like, oh, I sure wish I was in Russia right now, and, gee, we sure wish you were in Russia right now, and... Well, and priorities change too, right? Like even and, and and so do teams. So like, say they sign him to a five-year deal, but they suck in three, and maybe he decides when he's thirty-eight that he wants another Stanley Cup more than he even fucking wants the record. Mm. Well, okay, yeah. uh, you have two years left, and you scored fifteen goals this year, and you make nine million dollars. So you are retiring here now, or you're retiring here in two years. We're not fucking trade. We can't trade you. Who the fuck are we trading you to? So there's something to be said for maybe signing a two-year deal, and then say the caps are ass for the next two years well yeah maybe I'll go play with Nathan McKinnon maybe I can score 40 or 50 goals in fucking Colorado maybe. like yeah. like you know I, I don't know what the fuck this guy wants but um, what's a proper valuation for him I, I think two years at nine mil per is perfect um, th- this gives us opportunity it's the only second round matchup that we do know of uh, Bruins and Islanders set to kick off this weekend so we should maybe give our predictions on, on what we like there because we won't be able to oh, by the time we talk again it's going to be over probably uh, yeah. Um, yeah Bruins the three seed they got home ice against the Islanders um, though the way the Bruins handle the caps I don't know how I can go against them on that one I think this will be a better series than people really give it credit I, for I, oh, I think it's going to be good it's going to go six or seven but I, I think the Bruins take it yeah yeah I, I'm I would I'm going to go Bruins in six again okay um, the Tampa Bay Lightning come out as the victors. Oh, God in the, damn it! In the Battle of Florida, oh. the Battle of Florida is over. The Panthers are um, slain, if you will, uh, after six games and two games each for three different goaltenders on what was a really weird Joe Quenville type of series here. Um. I'm not sure it's going to surprise anyone to hear this, but that's the first time that's ever happened in NHL history, too. Yeah. Two goalies, multiple games. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Three goalies, multiple Q- games. Q looked a little, uh, you know, over his head on this one for whatever reason. Like, I don't know if, I don't know if he really, if he coached himself out of this one or, you know, got in his own head or, or, or what the situation was, but I don't know how you have a stable team making those types of moves in net game in and game out um, like at some point I think you gotta kind of ride with somebody 
and because every goalie is different, right? You're like you got six defensemen out there, and I remember back with the with the Leafs back in the day where you had Reimer and Bernie, and like Bernie loved to swallow everything. And the defensemen yeah, were me, he okay. Had to get him in the way of the original shot in order for that to work, <laughs> right? But fucking terrible. But the defensemen knew that, and then like the next night to be Reimer, who's like, "I'm gonna give out the juiciest rebound, so I need you guys <laughs> to clear it." And then he they rocked, man. And then they wouldn't know what to do because awesome. like, twenty four hours ago, I'm skating away after my goalie makes the save, and now I have to adjust. And maybe that speaks more to the decor than it does the goaltender, but like. Different goalies are different styles. It couldn't have been easy on Florida's defense to get too, you know, acclaimed to, to to what's going on in their own zone half the half the time. So I don't know. I I thought it was a really fun series. I think the better team won, but I think Florida kind of shot themselves in the foot a little bit. Yeah, the better team won in the sense that uh, like Tampa Bay was was at points of the series wildly outpossessed. But Florida couldn't get anything to the middle. Like, it reminded me of watching the Leafs with Mike Babcock, where it's just like, yeah, that's great. They've had the puck in their zone for, like, four minutes, and all of the shots have been the, from the perimeter. So, like, who gives a shit? You know what I mean? At some point, you got to find a way to get the puck to the middle. And then Tampa would just wait and wait and wait, and then, oh, all of a sudden, it's a they got a two-on-one. And it's Braden Point and Nikita Kucherov. Like, what the fuck are you going to do with that? With one of the worst goalies in the league in the net and fucking Sergey Bobrovsky the first two games. Like, like what, 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 what else was going to happen, really, right? Like, it, it's a tough one. So, it, it was a series where I think Florida shot themselves in the foot. But I do think it speaks to how good Tampa Bay really is. Where they didn't look exactly as good as they normally do and they still manage to win in six games you know yeah um i i just hope at the end of the day that we have more fun with the florida panthers moving forward because i i had a lot of fun with this matchup yeah they won me over a little bit i think the rivalry is there now like i said oh yeah like i I said last week the playoffs make rivalries and i think we've got one now there was some bad blood in a few of those games, even even when you could tell it was it was over, you know the Panthers players they were still pretty chippy out in the ice. They were they hate each getting other. Getting their shots. Those in. teams so, hate each other. Back in the Atlantic next year. Not looking forward to it as a Leaf fan, but I'm I'm all I'm all on board for for these two teams getting back at it in the playoffs yeah. soon. Florida's in a tough spot because uh, I mean you're you're right. Like going back to your initial point too, like. I don't really know how much starting Bobrovsky was 100% Quenville's decision. Like, I have to think that there was some pressure from upstairs there because there was there there literally was nothing pointing to starting Sergei Bobrovsky. There's nothing to it other than his contract, and I don't necessarily like. Don't get me he, wrong. He I was, think I think Joel was Quenville was stretch, my though. Hot, well, hot, hot, like nine fifteen, hot though. Like he was, like he was okay, like above yeah. league average maybe, but like he wasn't fucking setting the world on fire sure. by any means. Like he was winning all of his starts, but it was like twenty eight saves on thirty one shots. Dreger was the better goalie, and then Knight is better than both of them on talent level. So, like, I don't necessarily think Joel Quenville is Joel Quenville anymore as a coach. Realize I voted for him for the Jack Adams. I think he did a great job in the regular season. But if that was his decision to start Bobrovsky the first two games, 
Joel Quenville arguably cost them the series, I think, by doing that. And then not necessarily having a plan moving forward after that. Um, you know, like, I, I'm not saying I would have gone to Knight in Game 1, but I, I don't think Bobrovsky would have been in my top two, is all I'm getting mm. at. And, uh, you know, it's fine if the owners are telling him, you know, we're paying this guy $70 million, give him a shot. But even after that, like, was he good enough in Game 1 to really be like he has to start Game 2? I don't, I don't know. Like, you kind of want to get ahead of that. And was he good enough to definitely be in the net? No. So, I don't know. They, they got a tough situation there with Bobrovsky. Who could have foreseen? Okay, so I'm only going to bring this up because you, you said that. Um, I saw a lot of people freaking out online about how you, you draft Spencer Knight and a week later you sign Sergei Bobrovsky. Right? Yeah, a lot of people freaking out about that. Spencer Knight, eleventh overall. Seven days later, you signed Bobrovsky to. I don't know that. Like it looked. I remember we talked about it at the time. It looked weird at the time, but also I'm not sure that those two things are even really related, though. Right, but there was people making that argument uh, yeah, the last it. couple it's nights because kind of, of how Knight played. But like, you still make that deal. Well, you still well, sign Sergey Bobrovsky at that time because you you don't expect Spencer Knight to be your guy in the playoffs two years later. Well, okay, you're you're right in the sense that signing okay, signing a goaltender and then drafting a goaltender is fine. That's perfectly fine. Like, there's... There, I have never for a second, I think, defended the idea of signing Sergei Bobrovsky. Like, I, I, I was freaking out. That is one of the worst contract signings I think I've ever seen, and I'm not shocked that it hasn't worked out at all because I had nothing good to say about it. So do I still sign Bobrovsky? No, absolutely not. I never would have done that in the first place. But like, if it's like a Markstrom deal and you draft a goalie, yeah, that's fine. Like that, you know what I mean? Like if it's a guy who's going to be worth roughly that, you can sign a goalie and draft a goalie in the same year and have a plan for maybe the future while also looking out for the now. I just think Bobrovsky was always a horrible signing. So like in this example, sure, it looks bad, but philosophically, does it make sense to... Still draft Spencer Knight? Of course it does. He's going to be fucking great. Like, you know, you'd rather have two goalies than none. Right. But they never had two. You, they were only ever getting Knight. You, you might me. have a Jack Campbell, who you don't have as a starting goaltender for 10 years. Or you might have... Well, uh, they, they drafted Markstrom, even, right? Yeah. He never fucking really played well there. Or you might have a Justin Pogge, who just never gets there, right? Sure. So, I don't know. Like, I, I thought I saw people freaking out about that, and I thought, like... Yeah, you had the 11th overall pick. You pe- you picked the best guy available. A week later, we have a chance to sign a Vesna winning goaltender. Yeah, I'm going to do that. Because you don't know what you have in Spencer Knight. You, you can't say that yeah. in two years, he's going to be better than that guy that you're signing. You, there's no way to know that. Here, here's what happened. is Vinny Viola basically went in one day and was insane. Uh, and just yelled about goaltenders for six hours. And then in the same offseason, they basically... Uh, Signed Bobrovsky, signed or drafted Spencer Knight, uh, acquired Dreger, and then also had uh, Devin Levi in the system. Like they they have two high end goalie prospects too, right? People forget about that. There's also Devin Levi, who people think maybe is just as good as Spencer Knight. So he he clearly just lost his mind. He's like, we need to figure out goaltending. That's great. Like goaltending is somewhat looked out for, but they also have to figure out the Sergey Bobrovsky problem, mm-hmm. which is. Are we going to be able to rebuild him? And no, they don't have the technology. So Wow. Wow, the Million Dollar Man reference. Uh, That's right. I'll give everyone a moment to Google the Million Dollar Man. Yeah. Um, 
Game six, Hurricanes, Predators tonight in Smashville. Uh, Preds doing a lot, a lot better than I thought they would. I, I, mm-hmm. this, I think this was the only one I took to, to end in four games. Uh, it's the only one I took. Yeah. yeah. Um, so to say that we're going to game six, pretty impressive. UC Saros has looked like a man on a mission. And I think that that is yeah. everything you can say about the Natural Predators because uh, the rest of the team has been okay. And they, they're very much St. Louis adjacent, except their goalie's been just that much better to get them a couple wins. Yeah, I, I think that nails it. I like, I don't, uh, I mean, this could age poorly, but I, I don't really have anything to say about this series, even though I've watched most of it. Like, like Carolina has been the better team the entire series, I thought. Uh, I didn't see... Predators did have one good game, and I didn't watch it. I can't remember if it was Game 4 or Game 5. They all kind of blended together. But the Predators had one game where they supposedly played well, and I didn't see that game because I was like, how is that even possible? Uh, well, the Preds lost Game 5. I so... think it was Game 5, though, they played well. Like, yeah. I think I remember, like... They played well I don't and just think, lost. Yeah, I don't, I didn't, no, I didn't watch it last night. So, yeah. Jordan Stahl with the OT winner. Oh, cool. Yeah. I don't think I even knew that. So, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I just found out Carolina was leading 3-2 when I looked at it just now. Fair so, enough. Yeah. Um... I think it's over tonight. Oh, it's tonight? Yeah. Oh, it's over. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, all right. Um, let's let's rip the Band-Aid off. The Winnipeg Jets. Oh, right. Steamroll the Edmonton Oilers four games to none. Connor McDavid has That's one right. goal in the series. Fails to draw a penalty in the series. Uh, Connor Hellebuck looking pretty good. Yeah. Nick Ehlers is back. Didn't really matter. Pierre-Luc Dubois back didn't really matter. Um, yep. Aside from a triple overtime game that kept me awake till all hours of the night, uh, the Oilers <laughs> never really looked in the series at any point. Um, I'm shocked, and like that's not to say that I don't think the Jets deserve to win like the series. I just i I think the Jets could have won the series, but I didn't think the Oilers would go out in four. Yeah. I, I expected Connor to do something one night that was Connor-esque. Which Connor? Uh, sorry, McDavid. Yeah, okay. That's fair. There's a lot 12, of good Connors in, of them in the series. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know what I mean? Like, We never had that one game where McDavid just went off for five points like I think we all thought he was going to. I mean, he had four points in four games in the series, but I, I don't remember any of them. Three were secondary assists, and the other one was a goal. There you go. I don't remember the goal. Yeah. I saw it, but I don't remember it. Mm-hmm. I don't even want to talk about the Jets because I'm, I'm sure you've got an article coming or already have about, you know, what went wrong, what went right here. Um, how did the Oilers get out of this? Like, how do they get out of how, this? How, how, do you, how do you go into this season under these circumstances in this division with a clear path to the Final Four with the best player in the world having the best season in the NHL's last 30 years Um with the reigning Hart Trophy winner and failed to win a single playoff game. The mind boggles. They're a horrible hockey team. <laughs> Yet somehow they beat up on the Jets all season long and finished second in this division. Yeah, I mean, the Jets didn't exactly... Like, here was the thing, is that when the Jets played the Oilers the last six times before the playoffs, uh, the Jets played their game 
And the Jets that I saw in the playoffs were not the Jets that I saw in the regular season. The Jets that I saw in the playoffs were uh, the Jets from like four years ago where it's like, yeah, oh, you're going to score against us? Yeah, good fucking luck on that. Uh, They clogged the neutral zone. When McDavid was coming through with speed, they had sometimes four guys on him. Like, they just completely uh, isolated whoever was carrying the puck for the Oilers. And it was a masterpiece. In the regular season, the Jets were like, well, you got guns, so do we. And they tried to play this offensive style against the Oilers, and it's like, yeah, great, you want to play a fast game against Connor McDavid? You're going to fucking lose. You need to slow the fucking game down. You need to bleed the life out of the game. And I watched those games, and the four of them were all generally terrible because they were all fairly slow. And when it did open up, it was back and forth. My thing with the Oilers, like, I always I have a different theory on the Oilers every time I watch them. They're so much fun. They are so goddamn slow when he's not out there. And then when he gets out there, they decide, oh, no, we're going to speed the game up. It doesn't work like that. The, the game just doesn't shift shift by shift all the time. The game has a flow to it. The game has, for five or ten minutes, it's quick or slow, quick or slow. It doesn't change shift by shift based on who's on the ice all the time. It just doesn't. You don't think you can have like a, a fastball changeup approach in in hockey like that, where you you've got one line out there that uh, just, you know bogs the game down and then boom, fastest guy on the planet out there the next shift. Okay, and now you have to adjust. Maybe if the other guys with him are also fast, which is another okay. part of the problem too. Like they're just their their team aside from McDavid, like yeah, aside from McDavid, Drysaitel, Nugent Hopkins to an extent, and maybe Darnell Nurse. Without those four, if you compare that to, like, if you take the best four off the Sabres and the best four off the Oilers and compare those rosters, I don't really know that the Oilers are that much better, to be honest with you. They're very bad. They're very, very not deep. and Very, very ungood. That's right. I do words for a website. Hmm. Um, so what I saw was uh, Paul Maurice showed up and uh, uh, credit to the Jets because they played fantastic, but... You know, for the Oilers to sit here and be completely shocked. I mean, I don't know that it's really that shocking. Like, again, when we did the series prediction, I thought McDavid was going to just break through and that was going to be the difference. And I gave the Jets less credit than I should have. And the Jets showed up and they, you know, when they show up, yeah, they're better on paper. So they should win. Uh, The response after the series was over from the Edmonton Oilers, very bizarre. I'll say um, a lot of complacency within the players. McDavid, uh, Drysaddle, both giving interviews talking about how you know, like it's not that big of a deal. It's uh, it's not something that we're going to blow the roster up. That's it's not it's not that bad. Like th- this has got to be unacceptable for the Edmonton Oilers. Like this 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 should go to the top of the organization. They should have you in the boardrooms, tear off the chart, let's start blank, write McDavid at the top, and then go from there and figure out how you're going to move forward. Because, like, I don't understand how, how these players and, and the, you know, the general manager especially are not more outraged or upset about what happened. Because, you like I said, you finished second in a very winnable division and did nothing with it. And now you're going to go back next year to the Pacific Division and, yeah, you'll probably make the playoffs, but it's not going to be any easier. I mean, to your point, like, I I didn't really get that vibe from 
Leon Dreisaitl because I find that Leon Dreisaitl's just very uh, surly in his interviews when things... he, he German he, is the word you're looking he, for. Yeah, oh my god. He is so close to telling everyone to just fuck off. Like, I actually love his press conferences, to be honest with you, because he, he, he's one of those guys where I can just tell he stews about it. You know what I mean? And he cares for sure. Um... So I'm I wouldn't I didn't really get that impression from from Dreisaitl. It's a tough one though, man. Like it, it's it's clear McDavid is is frustrated. I just I don't really know what more he's supposed to say because unfortunately I think that this was somewhat the inevitable outcome for them in a way. Like eventually they were going to get handed their lunch. I just thought the Jets weren't the team to do it. Like this this is the GM. Like this, put it this way: This was not a team. If if you genuinely thought this team was going to win a Stanley Cup this year, you you need you need to reevaluate. Well, how about a win? In the oh, for sure. No, I'm you not saying I mean? you. I'm just saying yeah, yeah, yeah. people that are like shocked by this. It's like you really need to watch more hockey. Well, I, I think you can be shocked. I don't think you have to be have those expectations. Shocked that they didn't win a cup is what I'm getting. Okay, at. Sure. you shouldn't be shocked. Sure. They, that, they that, are, that's fine. They're not a playoff team in most of the other divisions. That's fine. <laughs> like, but, like, the, 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 this is the team whose GM said, like, yeah, this just wasn't the year to go all in. Like, absolutely it was. When, when How long is has he been their GM? Three years. Yeah, he should have his thumbprint on the team by now. Like, this is the GM that went all in every year <laughs> with the Detroit Red Wings, regardless. Like, 2015, oh, we're not doing so great. Maybe we should bring in... Justin Abdelkader, like, not Justin Abdelkader, but as a bad example, he was already on the team. But, you know what I mean? Like, he was still out there trading his first-round pick away, trying to make things happen. And, like, is Mike Smith ever going to be this good again? Probably not. Is Connor McDavid ever going to have a season like this again? Maybe. But, like, probably not. (laughs) Right? Like, I don't know. I don't see how you just don't go for it at that point. They could have caught the Leafs up until the last two or three games of the season at that point. Sure. And maybe you're playing the Habs instead. You know, you could have got the Flames in the first round. Uh, like, a lot of things were still available at that point of the season. And to just sit in your hands and, and do nothing. And then, like, like I said, all the credit in the world to the Jets. I'm not trying to take anything away from them. But I just don't understand how this organization is, is going to, you know, try and, and, and do anything more next year than, than what they could have done this year. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, like, I get the, I get, I, he, he isn't completely wrong to say that you can't go in every year. Like, obviously, we well, all understand that. But, sure. you know, uh, this is a team that has gotten, like, marginally better since he got there. And he's been there long enough that he should have, um, like, put it this way. I should be able to look at the Oilers and be like, wow, uh, I mean, not that I actually think this, but Tyson Berry... Uh, 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 Kenny Holland move like you can see the difference there and fucking this guy and that guy and it's like I look at that roster and other than knowing when guys were acquired I don't think wow what a great move by Kenny Holland yeah like there's nothing really to look at so far and be like yeah he's he's doing a great job having said that you know I under I acknowledge that it's probably a not very easy to get uh, everyone to want to come and play in Edmonton but also b like he he is working with not the most ideal roster in some in some examples. Like I don't remember if he's the one who signed Cassian or not, but like Cassian's not a very good deal. Neil's a horrible contract, right? Miko Koskinen is a terrible deal. 
Like that that right there is twelve million dollars tied up that you could be using on two solid middle six guys, three solid middle six guys, or like a defenseman or two, you know. So a couple I, of his moves didn't work out. Like right, you go get Kyle Turris. I think we all thought that was a smart move at the I thought time. Thought it would be better than it was yeah. anyway. I don't know if I ever thought that was going to make like the biggest difference, but I don't know. It's it's. It's tough. I, I, I'm not going to sit here and say that I think he's doing a horrible job or anything like that, but he... It was just bizarre he, to me. There should be more to show for it yeah. so far. If and, you go out in six or seven, sure. But just the lack of emotion from going out, being swept with, with this team was, was very shocking to me. Yeah. I, I won't read too much into it, but I will say it's uh, it's time to get to work, for sure. Like yeah. This team has a lot of work to do, so... Uh, finally, the Toronto Maple Leafs have a chance to uh, slow the spread of COVID by taking out the Montreal Canadiens in Game 5 and preventing their oh, fans yeah, from coming back the in the building. Yeah. Right. Um, for the first time in my lifetime, uh, yours yours as well, the Leafs have a 3-1 series lead. Um, yeah, when was the last time that happened? 1986. Um, yeah, I guess, oh, right, they swept the Senators, right? They swept them. Okay, right. Um, I don't know. Puck drops in like an hour or something, half an hour. Uh, puck puck what, drops in ten minutes. Uh, actually, but. that's that's when the TV says the game's on. It's going to be well, no, but it's on. It's on uh, Sportsnet, so it'll start in eighteen minutes. It's not NBC where it'll start oh, three hours. I, after I didn't the, realize there was any. Yeah, no correlation. That's an there. NBC thing. Um, I, think, I don't think anyone's going to miss them. Haven't won a playoff NBC. series in 17, 17 years. Are you are you at all optimistic uh, for their chances tonight in Game Five? For yeah, 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 that that quick, eh? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Look, they've been the better team, hands down, by a mile. Yeah, I I think yeah. <laughs> like the Habs have been okay. Like they they haven't been bad. I think they're maybe a little bit of a better team than they've shown in the series. I will say that. Um, there's clearly something wrong with Brendan Gallagher. Like, there, oh, there's no yeah. doubt. And a, and a healthy Brendan Gallagher, I think, maybe is actually good enough to have won them a couple of those games. Or not a couple, but, like, maybe one of those two games where it was, like, 2-1. You know? Uh, well, I guess the Habs did win one of those games. The Habs maybe win uh, that 2-1, 3-1, game three, or whatever it was there. Uh... Uh, like Brennan Gallagher, he's hitting the post. He, he doesn't look right. Like something's fucked up there. So, so yeah, I think maybe that makes a big difference. But um, Cole Caulfield playing less than fifty percent of the game. Yeah, like uh, that. That yeah. doesn't sit well with me either because I think he's been uh, their best player and he's played like eight minutes in the series or whatever the fuck. So that also bugs me too. If I'm if I'm a Montreal fan, I don't think Ducharme's done a very good job. And uh, look, I think playing Eric Gustafson. Uh, over Alex Romanov tonight is not going to work out either. Uh, maybe this is going to age terribly, but I, I think that's a horrible decision. It, it, it's <sighs> like I, I don't know. I don't get how Romanov's like your eighth or ninth defenseman on this team. I he's just hurt. Don't understand. He's hurt, right? Romanov. There's no other excuse. Well, yeah, that or Ducharme's completely out of off his fucking gourd. Like I don't understand what yeah. he's thinking. And I like Dominic Ducharme. Uh, I thought I don't know. I don't really know what the fuck he's doing with this team to be honest, but. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like they've been okay. Price has been better than I thought he would be, but and that's the weird thing too, is because like even when the nights that Price is on, it's like Jack Campbell's just that little bit better somehow, and right. like that was supposed to be the big difference maker was that oh we the, the Habs had the theoretical edge in net 
That's that's all you heard from Habs fans, right? Well, we got Carey Price, and he can he can still see, did it last year against the Penguins. Right. You're not wrong. He's been fine. Yeah. And the Habs fans can't really point the finger at him. He's he's had but, spurts where it's like there was a period one of the one of the second periods in Montreal where it legitimately could have been like eight one. Yeah. Like it was fucked, yeah. and it's just like. Man, how, the, how does he keep making these saves? Like, I thought this guy was cooked. So, credit to him. Like, he's been he's been better in the series than I thought he was going to be. But um, When we spoke last, as we are doing now, it was moments before puck drop. We did, we were a lot more optimistic about we how that game was going to go. We were having a real good time yeah. that night. And then about, uh, what, eight minutes into the first period, uh, something bad happened. Yeah, it wasn't good. <laughs> and, uh, it wasn't good. Yeah, I, I felt bad for the next, like, two days. Um, yeah, you, you know what was funny? It's like, you were here for a while afterwards, and I was kind of fine that night. And the next day I got up, and I'm like, oh, fuck, right, that happened. Yeah. And the more I thought about it, it kind of, it actually did ruin the next day for me a little bit. But I think we both had the day off, and I was just, like, like on Twitter every, like, so often, just, like, looking at all the sad shit and, like... This I did not. So I did not have a good day. No, no. it wasn't good. Uh, John Tavares, for those of us that you know that don't really know what, what we're rambling on about, um, was injured in game one. Uh, fell awkwardly after a hit from Ben Sherratt into the path of an oncoming Corey Perry, uh, whose knee collided with his face. I'm sure. Uh, just about everybody listening has seen it because it was pretty, pretty intense, um, and the the hit itself was scary. Uh, the moments following it, especially in a dead quiet Scotiabank Arena, uh, were very disturbing. Um, and you know what? Like as a as a fan, probably the worst looking injury that I've I've seen. Uh, obviously, now a week later, we know where they got a couple of camera angles, like ten fifteen seconds after it, where it was just like that was just the wrong camera angle to see at that moment, kind of thing. Like when he tried to get up, that was like. Like, and I'm not blaming the producers on sure. that, right? Like, they they didn't know what the fuck to do either, but, like, it was just the way that we saw everything. It was like, oh, God, this is a mess, you know? Yeah. And um, the fact that it lingered, like, there was no real commercial break to kind of just be like, we'll take care of this. Like, And, again, I'm not saying that that is for sure the wrong call. I'm not in television, but to me... I would have taken a commercial or two during that time. Yeah. I've seen other sports broadcasts do that during horrific injuries. It wouldn't be a bad thing to do. But yeah, like like thinking back on it, like that's watching live. That's uh, it was probably the worst looking injury that I've ever seen. Yeah, and which which like sure. I said, sounds over the top. Now a week later, we know like everything's fine with his neck. You know his 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 spine, his skull, like. All the things that I thought were wrong mm-hmm. came back good. He's got a concussion, which like you don't fuck around with, and it's not to be underplayed. But I watched that video thinking, like, is the guy going to skate again? Right. Oh yeah, live. No, so, uh, up until I mean, we'll get to it, I'm sure. But like up until probably today, I genuinely thought his career was likely over. Like yeah. I was not on the on the optimistic side of this. Um, concussions are tough and. Uh, when you have a severe one, sometimes it, you never really get back to normal. And my thought was considering how it looked. Yeah. Um, but I mean, we've also seen guys get knocked cold the fuck out and be back within two weeks. And, and I actually were okay to be back. Not like rushed back. Like they were actually like, look, he got knocked out, but he actually didn't like, it was just a weird thing. I don't know. We don't know that much about concussions, I guess is what I'm getting at. (laughs) The mind uh, is an enigma. Yeah. Um, 
So Tavares obviously has not played the rest of the series, won't play the rest of the series, uh, by all accounts, will not play the next series. But, I mean, he might have something to say about that because today he was skating. And, yeah. uh, not not practice, but he was out there before the main group. Holy and shit. wasn't in a dark room <laughs> yeah. by himself. Yeah, and uh, that was the big thing for me, right? Is just like, uh, like even yesterday, like if John Tavares was at practice, not skating, I'm like, Holy he shit, he, he can like go watch the games live. Like that's that's great. And even if it takes him forever to to get back, like that's good to me that at least he's in a spot where he's not uh basically on 23 hours of dark bed rest. Yeah. So so who knows? Like I think you know, the timing of last week's podcast made it such that we didn't have a chance to sit there and speculate a week later. I don't want to do the same, but it sure looks like we might see the guy back if the Leafs are able to go deep enough here, mm-hmm. which I think is a, a fantastic sign. And he, and you know what? Even if he doesn't play, uh, just the idea that you get him back next year, I think, is yeah. is very yeah. warming for, for Leaf fans that saw what took place uh, on the ice in Game 1. Yeah, I don't know many people uh, outside of Staten Island, basically, that don't like John Tavares. Like, I think even fans of opposing teams... Uh, like the dude because he's by all accounts a likable dude so um i'll give staten island some credit too i saw a lot of islanders fans that night coming out and some of them were good and saying like oh where are my islanders jersey i didn't really see anything the night of that was like despicable it was the next day where it's like oh they're acting like the guy's dead it's like well i think you know they're allowed people are allowed to have a couple days on this one to be honest with you i think any anything that like that's fine like it, it, it for me I, I'd be one of the last people to really be like, you know, pretend that I know these guys or anything like that. Like, I don't, I don't know them. They're just guys. I, all, I wish them all well, obviously. But like, you know, I'm not going to sit here like some fans and pretend that they're my best friends and stuff like that. But like, I've been a fan of John Tavares since 2008, which is uh, well before that, like before he was drafted, put it that way. And so, um, like went to the world juniors he was the star of the team coolest thing i've ever been to i met his family like i have had a rooting interest in his career for a very long time so it was it was pretty fucked up the next day for me to just be like like of all guys this is like the guy the only guy that i've really followed from like before his nhl career and then goes to my favorite team like it was it was a tough thing for sure um but you know i think for the most part, like, the goodness and the hockey fan was was seen, you know, over $50,000 in donations to the John Tavares Foundation. Yeah, a fantastic well. move there, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, well, uh, before we jump to our overrated, underrated, favorite, least favorite, uh, mm. Darren Drager reporting that uh, the oh, Nazem good. Kadri appeal uh, was held today. Uh, and while there's no timeline, uh, Gary Bettman will be expediting the process uh, since oh, the West Division will be starting on Sunday. So I'm just picturing Gary Bettman like running through a long hallway, like the fucking hospital in John Q, with like a FedEx form, just trying to yeah. get it there on time, kind yeah. of thing. They found a heart. They found a heart, <laughs> John. They found a heart, John. Great movie, John Q, 2002, yeah. Anne Heche, well, James not, Woods. Not bury my son. Um, yeah. All right, overrated, underrated, favorite, least favorite. Uh, it was your your week to pick, and, yeah. and you wanted to go with uh, the truths. I, I don't know why. True songs. I just, it was just it was a thought I had uh, this morning when I had my second coffee a lot quicker than I normally do, so I was I was riding high. Um, yeah, I don't know. I like the truths. The truths are good. Um, you know, 
I think uh, I think we talk about the hip a lot on the on the show, and rather than exploring that, I think it's just been a good week for like Canadian music. I think there have been a lot of Canadian bands bringing out sure. new music, a lot of bands that I like. Sure. The Trues aren't one of them, but they're just you know. Uh, at, at one time, uh, crowned the the heir apparent to the tragically hip empire in Canada, and never never really got there. I guess. I, think, I just I, man, I don't know what it, like. Do people on the West Coast just not like the Trues or something? Maybe. Because I feel like the Trues, I feel like the Trues are the most underrated Drinking. Canadian band of my lifetime. Probably, yeah. like even Sloan has like a pretty big following, even though it's oh, maybe not big enough. I don't know if it's big enough, but it's a lot bigger than the Trues. Yeah, and the Trues, like, they put it this way. I've seen the Trues, I've never seen the Trues headline a show of, like, a couple thousand people where they rightfully should have, should be that big. Yeah. You know? I've I seen them more than any other band. They're, yeah, they're, they're up there for me, yeah, yeah. three or four times. I think Matthew Good still has the title for me, Ooh. but, yeah. Okay. Uh, you're, uh, you're overrated. Uh, tired of waiting, I think. Okay. It just doesn't really do it for me. I understand it was one of their bigger, uh... Like one of their first big songs, so I, I I appreciate its significance, but I think fifteen years later we can all well no, eighteen years later we can all kind of look back and be like it's it's okay. Would I say it's like a top ten song of theirs? No, top twenty probably not still, but it's it's good. It's a uh, it's worthy of a single. I, but I almost put it on my overrated. So you're yeah. you're not far off on that and one. I just think. never been a big big fan. Yeah. It's good though. I, I like the live version they put out on the deluxe version of that album. Uh, I don't know where they're playing, but they get to the end of the song and they transition into Hey Jude. Okay. And that is a seamless transition. Mm. If you go back and listen to that song, it, it works very well. I so. will say this, Tired of Waiting uh, maybe also deserves more respect since they are a bigger band, but if they were like a, a smaller band, it wouldn't be quite as cool. Tired of Waiting, a good concert song though, because mm. the end of it is very much a crowd sing-along yeah. and... So it places well in a set list. I'll give it that, too. Uh, I went Yearning from 2005's Den of hmm. Thieves. Okay. Never never really got that song. Like, I don't know what the appeal was. Um, it always seemed to be on the radio back in that era. Yeah. Not for me. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, my underrated is Sing Your Heart Out. Okay. It's just really fucking good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, to, the, to put it this way. Sing Your Heart Out is underrated because uh, I've been aware of it since, basically, it was written. And I only found out, like, two or three years ago that there's a studio version of it. I realized I was listening to an acoustic version. I was not even listening to the actual version of it. And no one corrected me because no one else really is all that familiar with the song. So, uh, yeah, I think it's really good. That's that's a really good good call there. Thank you. Um so I, I think the Trues are one of the more underrated bands of all time. <laughs> Not in, just Canada, in, just in general. Well, uh, in Canada, I'll say. Okay. So I've got I've got two of my list. We should because have just the, done overrated, underrated, favorite, least favorite Canadian bands. That because, would be a thing. Well, we could do that another uh, time, I guess. See you yeah. in Canada Day. Yeah. Oh um, shit. So like, there's like twelve songs I got to put here, but I narrowed it down to two. Uh, it's either Paranoid Freak or I Can't Say for me. I Can't Say was my runner-up. For, for underrated, yeah. Wow, what a what a like just gets lost on that album, I think, because there's a lot of good songs that came off of Den of Thieves. But um, I can't say it's just a unbelievably original song. Like mm-hmm. I don't really know many other songs. I know a lot of bands that are like the Trues, and you know what I mean, have influences that are kind of similar. But I can't say is a standalone song. I would say like I there aren't many like it. I can't believe it didn't get get more attention than it did. It's really good. I love it. Yeah. Uh, my favorite 
You're underrated. No, my underrated is Singer Hardo. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yes. Yeah. So please yeah. continue. No, my favorite is... Uh, hmm. Yeah, no, I'll go with it. It's not ready to go. Honorable mention goes to So She's Leaving. I've mm. probably listened to that more than I've listened to Not Ready to Go. But Not Ready to Go has withstood the test of time of songs that I've been aware of for most of my musical listening life. And I have never grown tired of it. It gets me as fired up now as it did when I was like 11 when it came out. It fucking kicks ass, and I love it. Not ready to go. They opened a, a show once with it. Oh, I was God confused why they were doing that, but it we're quickly not made ready sense. To go. Oh, and you are ready to go. Yeah. I get it. Um, my favorite song is off of the 2012 EP, Thank You and I'm Sorry. Uh, and it's called uh, And We Are the Trues. <laughs> um, it's my favorite true song. No, it's good. Um, like, uh, yeah, they they go out there and they do the thing that I've long wanted to do uh, in the few songs that I've written as a you know local musician, uh, which is to go out there and just like name drop all of your idols and uh, the bridge yeah. is just them rhyming on and like they rhyme it, which is also incredibly difficult when you're talking about the names of bands, and they they rhyme off like. I don't know, 30 artists in, in, in the end of the song. Um, and beyond that, it's just really catchy and upbeat and fun, and I, I I will never skip it when it comes on. So that's the sign of a true favorite. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's fair. Like, the, the only reason I laughed at it, too, because it's not even like it's a bad song or anything like that, it was just like, I have always had a hard problem when the band's name makes it into the band's song title. Yeah. And... That's one of the few times where I'm like, okay, no, I get it. Like, I get what they're doing there. Like, that's one of the few times where I'm like, that's good. But, like, the the band's name is supposed to be an artistic choice in and of itself where there is some sort of defining quality to it. I don't need a song about it. Mm-hmm. That's why you're named that thing. I don't need to hear... Iron Maiden. You know Iron what Maiden, I mean? Yeah, yeah Black exactly. Sabbath Ex- exactly. Sabbath. That, yeah. So, if, if you have a song written about it, call the fucking band something else, then. Yeah, that's. I've always had an issue with it. I hate it, but it is one of the rare instances where I, I, I do, do like the song. I do think that artistically, they would have been better served to name the song how it appears in the core or in in the lyrics, where they just leave the trues out. Yeah, at the end of the song, they say, "and we are the," and it's just left blank in yeah. the song. They could have done the same thing with the name. That's but, fair. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. My least favorite is "Man of Two Minds." I just I've never I don't like it. Sure. I I, I like sappy emotional songs. They're usually my favorites. This isn't a good one for me. Just isn't. Don't like it. Think it's sloppy lyrically. It's on the radio all the time, isn't it? Yeah, well, that's yeah. another reason why I don't like it. I just, I think, it, honestly, it, it was up there for overrated for me. But it's like, it's more so that I hate it. Maybe other people like it. I just don't. I think, mm-hmm. I think lyrically, it's one of the few where it's sloppy for them. Uh, my least favorite is "The World I Know" from Hope and Ruin in okay. 2012. I, I look. That's one of my favorite albums by them. Yeah. At the end of the day. But it doesn't really fit on that album. It doesn't album fit on that album. It. It, it feels very forced. It doesn't even feel like a true song, really. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I don't know. There's seven, eight other songs that I've listened to off that album alone before mm-hmm. the world I know. And for that to be a single, no less, was just very icky. And also, uh, the world I know by Collective Souls better. Very true. <laughs> very true. It's already a world I know. We don't need another one. Yeah. You know? Um, I think that's it. Favorite Collective Soul song? Wow. 
We won't do overrated on anybody's favorite. It's but... probably heavy. Hmm. River, where the river flows is a close second. I really like counting the days. Whew. Yeah? That, that's... Man, Collective Soul, just an underrated kind of heavy band. Like, you know what I mean? You don't think of them as like a heavy rock band because they're not really, but their riffs... Like, they have heavy riffs. They hit that overdrive pedal. And yeah. Then, yeah. And then they pull it back for the chorus. Oh, man. Maybe my favorite time I've had at a concert. Hammered. Hammered drunk. Anyway, uh, I'm Brutes Battaglia. The game starts in like Yeah, I was going to say, we got a game to get minutes, to, don't we? So, uh, yeah, so I'm... I, short one this I week. would tell you to check me out on the high button. Um, I am technically in limbo there. My contract is up because they only... Uh, we only agreed to, like, the season. So, um... Not getting paid for the playoffs. Uh, the weird thing is I'm getting all of my payments during the playoffs, but I'm not getting paid for the playoffs. Uh, yeah, so uh, can you see me on the high button? I'm not sure yet. I don't know what the plan is there, but, yeah. Well, you can't find me at the high button, so don't <laughs> right. don't try. Yeah, they don't know you. No. No. Okay. Okay. Bye-bye. I'm telling you, this place is perfect. You're going to make friends in no time. Get me!